start of the call, what you heard was my raps Hey Scott, put some words in the chat Richard, how you doing? I'ma come through, deliver I'm a giver and I flow so deep like a river Let me check my sound settings I'm a profound legend Yeah, that's how it looks And I'ma put on a shirt without a hood Cause I guess that it's curved Cause it's pretty, pretty, pretty good Yeah, it was cool Hey, we had a shout out to Liverpool Yeah, no man city Let me come through, I'ma do it real pretty Pray for the surf, I'm making it work And while I freestyle, I was saying my words, yeah Looking at Richard, I'ma rap it, I'ma capture it My man with the glasses, he was rubbing his nose, shaking his head I was out there stacking the chips, making his bread, yeah And it's easy to tell, my rap career shorter than a VP of sales uh. <laughs> Yeah, oh, oh, man. Man. tell me about my car plan oh, man. <laughs> Hey, welcome everybody to another edition of the Surf and Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Lees, here with my good friend and co-host, Richard Harris. And you just heard the best entrance to the Surf and Sales Podcast ever from the sales rapper himself, Ding Zhang. Man, that last line was so fire, dude. My rap career is shorter than a VP of sales. That is hilarious. Well done, man. Welcome to the show. The title. Uh, Welcome to the show, man. Tell Great everybody a little here. bit. Tell everybody a little bit about who you are, Ding, and, and kind of how you got into SaaS and startups and sales and and rapping and and doing your thing. Absolutely, Scott. So here's the short elevator pitch. Ding like a doorbell. I come from a music background. Been rapping for 15 years. Got my feet wet in sales and B two B. For about four years, uh, for reference, I'm 25, and uh, over the past two years since the pandemic started, I've launched a new venture where I've combined the two, the, the sales side and the marketing, the B2B, the SaaS, with the creative, the entertainment, because I've noticed that's something that's sorely lacking in this space, uh, There's and there's a lot, it's starting to become a lot of demand for it. Hey, we want something more engaging. We want something like, come on Zoom and freestyle and entertain. Yeah. Why yeah. you sell, uh, but there's not a lot of supply for it yet. Yeah, I would think it's absolutely fantastic and super creative. And uh, perhaps, correct me if I'm wrong, but just like born out of the pandemic and the creator economy and side hustling and finding ways to insulate ourselves so we're not just reliant upon a W-2. Am I wrong? Absolutely. Couldn't be more correct. So mm-hmm. I was obviously a W-2 employee. Going into the pandemic, I had left my previous job and started a new job three days into the pandemic. Or actually, mm. three days before. So I, three days at the office and then... Super good timing. Ramping. Yeah. So it was, it was very awesome. I didn't last very long, as you might imagine. And from that point, I was a young salesperson, not that much experience, uh, what had been an AE had been selling a SaaS product, but you know, two, three years in the game, it's not that, that much of a track record. Uh, so I was in that position at that timing, let's say September to October of 2020. So the worst timing for an IC to get hired uh, at that time. So th- the sales rep, salesrep.io, this really came, was born out of the pandemic out of necessity. Uh, there are two main reasons, right? One was I had jumped onto LinkedIn, started following folks like Richard and yourself. And what I noticed was, hey, there's this big social selling or 
uh, community presence, right? Thursday night sales. Uh, I remember Rovado was doing a series at the time, a couple of these groups. Um, so I joined these communities and I started showing the music side at first to differentiate myself. To be like, hey, this is not your standard sales rep type person trying to come on here, bring some additional value, entertain a little bit. Uh, and then through that experience, I started getting feedback saying, hey, look at this market right now. You have a pretty unique talent for our space. How can you then you know, shape that to fit kind of what this industry is looking for? Yeah. So everything else has been organic since then. We just kind of started out of nowhere and just kept growing. And I, I, I think that, I don't know if you'd call it this. I'll be curious what you think actually, but I think a lot of what you can bring to the table and do bring to the table and the value that you're able to provide now it's a lot of evangelism type stuff. It's a lot of sales evangelism, which we've been talking about a decent amount recently. And I, I, I know companies like Vidyard and Demostack and BombBomb and all these kind of companies, like they're hiring full time for this kind of right. role, right? And it's content creation, it's visibility, creativity. And do you, do you see yourself like headed that direction or as, is that a part of, what you do in some way? Absolutely. It's a, a huge part. And I would say that my first big break, uh, quote unquote, in this industry was my first partnership with Dooley, right? And I think that's a great example of this evangelist type role. And even if you look at their history with uh, someone like Ryan Scalera, who was on their team, producing a lot of this creative uh, musical entertainment type content, uh, but also showing up in communities, in micro communities, in comment sections, and in dark social, being like, "Hey, I'm also representing the company here." There's other growth channels beyond, you know, what we can normally attribute on the marketing side. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta interrupt this for a special public service announcements to our sponsors um, because they are sponsoring us on this episode as well as all of our episodes, which. Uh, <laughs> We we need to hire Ding to be our sound guy, Scott. I think yeah, he's our new producer of the show. Our producer, yeah. yeah. Jeff can't do shit apparently. So, <laughs> um, Sendoso, Scratchpad, and our friends over at Outreach.io. Be sure to check out Outreach at click.outreach.io forward slash surf. Again, click.outreach.io forward slash surf. Um, so just a quick shout out, but Ding brought us out fast out of the gate, like better than any other person. So we had to pause for a second. So, you know, it's interesting, um, Scott, as you were sitting here talking about this sales evangelist and I'm like, what the, what the heck is that? And then I realized these evangelists have been around forever, but just never from the sales side. Right. Um, it's just, you know, crazy that we've never looked at it that way. It's certainly one of those roles where my guess is people don't know how to measure it. So they're afraid to try and hire for it. But I think because of what's happening, um, it, it's there. So my question for you, Ding, is, you know, there's always a product evangelist, uh, uh, something like that, right? On the product side or customer success evangelist. What's a sales evangelist? And Scott, you can answer it too. What's, what's the difference? Because I think it's a really interesting thought. I'm very curious to hear Scott's take on this. I have a I have a unique position because 
so earlier y'all asked about my thoughts on the sales evangelism. I think that's one piece of it. Uh, when looking at from a from a creative standpoint, I think there's a lot that you could do with something that's differentiated pattern interrupting, including on the outreach side of things, partnerships, community, uh, what have you. So I, th I think to answer the question about sales evangelists, I don't know if that's the right term necessarily because mm. it's uh, more and more often that these sales evangelists, you might hire them from sales, right? And I think Zoe Hartsfield is a great example. But to, at, at a certain point, I think to bring the most impact with evangelism, you have to work you have to be cross-functional. You're working with product, you're working with marketing, you're working with partnerships, right? Uh, and, and you're working with sales. And I think having that sales background experience, it allows you to bring the most impact towards sales, which arguably, you know, we're on this podcast, Surfing Sales, you know, we probably bias thinking it's a very important function. So I think someone who understands the movers in sales, what they're looking for, especially if you've uh, it's an internal promotion. You've worked on that team. You know, that might give a good insight, but I'm curious to hear what Scott has to say. Well, actually, I'm pretty impressed with your <clears throat> your response. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, he's right. It's not sales evangelism. It's just evangelism, just in general. And it combines elements of all these things, um, sell selling, marketing, service, um, product, announcements, updates, releases, all this kind of thing. Um, but I think that this is rapidly becoming the way for brands to get eyeballs and get in front of people in the community as cold calling and cold emailing and prospecting and all these things gets harder and harder and harder. And everybody can sit here and argue about whether all those things are dead or not, but they're not dead, but nobody can deny it gets harder and harder and harder every single day to get somebody's attention. So how do we get somebody's attention? Well, you find people who have a brand of some sort, who have very specific skills in video, music, any kind of content creation, who write uh, a lot, who seem to be everywhere. They're always at the event. They're always at the webinar. They're always in the Zoom calls, happy hours and all this kind of stuff. And when those people start talking about the importance of xyz as it pertains to business and can slowly gently plug whatever product and company they're representing now all of a sudden that evangelist becomes the face of the business and i'll take a look at Dooley or whoever else ding is working with simply because i like ding i like what he has to say i think what he's doing is creative i trust him maybe he's a buddy of mine right and I think that's how you are going to see more and more people sell. It's just like co-selling community-based kind of selling where it matters where the reference is coming from a lot. And, and like I said before, the people are hiring full-time. These are full-time roles now, right? And I was on a podcast with John Barrows not too long ago where I was like, you mean to tell me if somebody paid John half a million dollars a year, like he can't deliver half a million dollars in in revenue, if he was evangelizing for, you know, whatever company out there want, wanted to pay that amount, I just 100% think that, you know, people can and people will, and it's starting to happen. And so people like you, I think are uniquely positioned to get into that game and make that one of the things that you offer, right? So yeah, that's my take. 
I think it's really interesting. There's so many things, um, you know, most people don't know this and I can't remember the name, but Scott was actually in a band. So he's very musically inclined and he's self-taught. So Ding, if you ever need to get Scott in to play a little guitar on something, you know, feel free. Let's to go May 1st. I'm moving to Austin. So we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll get in the oh studio. My God, that would be I, epic, dude. I, I already talked so to KD. Fun. Him and I are going to hit the stew. So we can make a thing out of it. Scott, Scott may have to actually grow the beard back to do a video with the two of you. Oh, by May, by May, we'll have no problem. Right. So, <laughs> It'll be um, so, so that's one thing. It did make me kind of wonder, and I, I like the higher vision of this, right, is that, you know, is it, Scott, would you rather be, and Ding, would you be, rather be known as a, uh, you know, a, a thought leader, or would you rather be known as evangelist? It's a great question. I would say for where I'm positioned right now, more so a thought leader. I also have iffiness with that terminology there. Uh, but the reason being is that because I'm growing this agency model and I have a variety of different services that we offer, I think if I fall too hard into the evangelist side of things, uh, which it's what happens is people associate me more so with the company than with my agency and the services I'm providing. So that might be a short-sighted look on this, uh, but just not knowing the potential, I guess, market cap of evangelism and having a slight understanding of the potential of where my market is right now uh, in creative as a service. I just like the fact that you dropped the word market cap as an evangelist. It's like, dude, go look at the Kardashians. The market cap is huge. <laughs> so, Scott, would you rather be a evangel known as an evangelist or a thought leader? Hmm. I, 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 I am frustrated that the term thought leader has become so negative in connotation. Yes. Yeah. Give them that creepy music thing. Right. Yeah. But I think I would rather, I would rather say that. I would rather put somebody said that about me. That being said, I have no problem with the phrase evangelist. One of the things that is tricky that people will have to figure out is how do you evangelize for more than one thing? Because to, to what Ding just said was, you know, I would, I would be a little scared because whoever I was an evangelist for, people might only associate me with that brand, right? So like, let's say he was an evangelist for Gong and all of a sudden everybody was just like, Ding is Gong. Ding works at Gong. And Ding's like, no, dude, I do all this other stuff also. I have my own business. I do all these other services. So, but I don't think you have to be exclusively repping one particular product. Why can't I be an evangelist for an entire tech stack? Why? I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, you know, look, if, if now I'd be, be willing to believe that if Gong came and treated him like the, can you hear me now guy, right. Um, for Verizon, he'd gladly take that paycheck and be associated for a, an extended period of time. Maybe not. So I'll take the opposite approach. Um, part of me thinks being known as an evangelist and, and it might have to be more specific, a sales evangelist to me feels like that's more um, giving to the community whereas thought leader is about me as a human, right? Like as, as, as Richard, oh, Richard's a thought leader. And it's like, well, I don't know. Mm. I kind of feel like I talk about sales to help everybody else. And, but I think that may come to your point, Scott, of that word thought leadership has maybe received that negative connotation. So yeah, I, I don't know that there's an answer to it, but it just, it feels like 
if someone said Richard's a sales evangelist, then that would mean he's really out there trying to help the community. Um, but again, it's, it, you know, I don't think we, I don't know, you have air acted and, and maybe I just like it because it's a new car smell, right? Maybe it's the same fucking car and I just don't know it. So I think, Richard, I think figuring out how to scale it is, is key. And I don't know that anybody's really figured that out yet from the evangelist side. And I would imagine initially employers would be trying to lock you in and be like, no, you can only evangelize like for me. Well, Scott, what is your answer to that when they say that? Well, I would tell them no. You know that. I'm going to well, tell them no. Other, what's the other answer? <laughs> I suppose if you write me a large enough check. Exactly. <laughs> the answer would be yeah. my exclusivity. But I don't want to lock, but, I, but that's, that would be short-term thinking to me. Right. So I, I would rather grow wide at first. Right. And then So go. I'll speak to that, Scott. I mean, I, so I haven't been full-time with the company since I was laid off in 2020. Uh, and one of my criteria for working with clients has been, I don't want to get locked into something too exclusive. Uh, so sometimes I understand from the company, if it's like per category, for example, if yeah, you don't work with the competitors, yeah. right? Cause you're just working with the team all day and you have certain insights. So, you know, you're not going to run to the competition yeah. for a bigger yeah. check. So that's, 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 I think basic decency, but I, I really like your point about the tech stack. Cause that is something that. I think isn't really being talked about right now uh, because we're just, it's so new from the company side. We're only seeing in the past, mainly in the past year, but in the past, let's say three to four, where you have someone that's either propped up internally or hired externally for this evangelist type role. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's these talking heads who go on TV and it's like the stock tip guys, Richard, you're a stock right. tip guy. Right. And it's like, I don't know his name, Kramer is one guy that used to be on there. And it's like, here's the 10 stocks of the week, right? There could easily be a world where it's like Ding's tech stack for 2022. That's where I was headed, right? Ding's like, 2023 tech stack. And shit is moving around all the time. Things that become obsolete disappear. Things that become new and innovative jump to the top. Other things like, let's say video prospecting, for example, that was maybe number 10 in 2021 is maybe number four now and it's fluid and moving and there's this whole thing with it right but it's interesting because ding sort of taking the, the whole concept of sales hacker right and and doing that because like you know sales hacker puts out that kind of content Every, you know there's look there's a thousand lists right and the question then becomes to ding's point of the company versus his brand you know that that's the thing though do people trust a person ding right. or do they trust a company sales hacker or built right. in or AAISP or whoever all these people are that put out these lists. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer. What do you yeah. think? I, th I think it's less of what the source is and more so the way it's delivered. And I think that's the area of opportunity is we have a bunch of lists, right? Blogs, that's because they're lists. But if it was presented in a different way, let's say we take Bo Burnham's comedy specials, right? We had an inside, about a tech stack. So as part of the value prop of not only are we evangelizing for you, but we're building this piece of entertainment that's educating, but also captivating. And it's about your tool, not only about your tool, how it fits in the whole tech stack. So that yeah, could I be think I think it's just, awesome. a, just a differentiator there, right? 
So how did you, I'm going to pull us out of it. I mean, I love this conversation and it's different. Tell us a little bit more about Dingo. Like where did, where did, what made you want, you know, you, you started out in music, right? Well, I wouldn't say you started in music, but I think it sounds like that was your first passion. Um, what happened that made you go, all right, I got to pay the bills. And then more specifically, what made you choose sales? Great question. So Richard, I started music when I was very young. Uh, I was in middle school band and I started rapping at the same time. So 11, 12 years old, started making music. MySpace was big. Uh, shout out to Tom. And uh, from there, it was very organic. I was part Literally, of the first that generation. Was, that was like 2004, right? Like that's how old we are, Scott. <laughs> So, uh, it was more around like 07, 08. Oh my God. Yeah, fairly. <laughs> yeah, I, I was quite young. In You're in middle school. <laughs> yeah. What a time to be alive. Right. And I think it's interesting because now we're seeing a lot of people my age, right? The, the sandwich generation between uh, Gen Z and millennials coming into the workforce. And then now we're, we're past our initial first two, three years so I think becoming more established and able to utilize the skill set that we had growing up, which was I was mobile native, right? I had an iPod touch, iPhone since around that age, uh, was social media native. So I, cause I, I think a lot of millennials are technologically capable, but then once you go, uh, onto the social side, the platforming side of things. I think it's, it's becomes le uh, more rare. Oh my God. You're so true, right? The social skills are much different for that generation. But to, to the counterpoint though, I think millennials and gen X are better at actually diagnosing tech problems and learning new tools because we're, I, like I think gen, gen Z, we're so coddled. Everything's optimized iOS touchscreen interface that even, you know, put me in a, uh, when, I remember when I was first using uh, a sales engagement tool, like, you know, put, put a 20 year old in outreach. Mine's going to be blown. Because it's, because it's tough. It's not intuitive. No, it's because it's, it's so full featured. Mm. Right. Because the, the Gen Z experiences, it's like TikTok, but it's right in front of you. Hey, you point and shoot and then you, you swipe and you like, and this this is what you do with it. Whereas, you know, anything more sophisticated. Imagine putting them in AutoCAD, right? Or th or throw them in InDesign. My God, auto first AutoCAD reference ever on the Surf and Sales podcast. Absolutely, Richard. Richard probably used AutoCAD. No, but I know of it. I think I knew people who sold it. <laughs> so, talk about talk about the experience and challenges of uh, of creating and building this business. It's been very romanticized in the last few years of starting your own business, but I, I pay attention to some of the things you write and you're not shy about, you know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes oh, absolutely. When's my, when's my next, you didn't say this, but like, when's my next paycheck type of thing. Right. So talk a little bit about the realities of building this business from absolute scratch. Yeah. So what's, what served me well was I had failed in music in the past. And this is the Richard's question earlier. 
the reason I went into sales was music wasn't working out. It's been maybe 10 years, tens of thousands of dollars on it. Uh, wasn't working out, wasn't paying the bills. So I went out and interviewed for a bunch of consulting jobs. Uh, I went in BC, all my classmates ended up in investment banking or management consulting. So uh, I did that and you know bought a bunch Having of case interviews. nothing, Scott. They did nothing and they became investment bankers. It's nuts. Well, then, then they started working hundred hour weeks, and and I was, uh, and I was working in SaaS and as an AE at that time. So it was like, okay, haha, I get the, you know, better. You got the better deal at the end. Better deal out of this, yeah. Some semblance, not a whole lot, but some semblance of work life balance. Uh, and so going into the building the business, the two biggest challenges were uncertainty. I think because it's it's a new product or offering, essentially, it's un, unproven, untested. I had a good feeling and a lot of conviction in this, which is why I'm still in the game. Uh, and it's starting to trend upwards, which is great. But uh, the it was really, I had to learn, because I was young, right? Still am pretty young. And having just a few years of experience, like in business and B2B, and only seeing it from the sales side, I had to quickly teach myself, you know, how to run the operations, how to do the marketing, uh, handle the projects and whatnot, and then figure out what things scaled, what things didn't. So growing has been slightly painful, you know, working with a lot of different contractors uh, and managing people for the first time in my life. Mm. And uh, from, a, from a financial perspective, I think what's underrated is that, sure, you can make some money running your own business. It's, and if you've sold before, it's not the most difficult thing uh, in the world, but you know, what you don't realize is there's a lot of burn as well, right? Is you have to spend money to make money. So oftentimes your take home, especially if you're used to just stacking some fat commission checks, the take home is, is going to look a little bit different. And sometimes, uh, because you want to grow at a certain rate, you want to invest in certain things. You got to make sacrifices in your lifestyle to make that happen. So do you, has anybody tried to bring you back to a full-time gig, right? To WTU. Hey, look, I know what you're doing over there, but we're going to pay you X and you, we just want you to do that for us full-time. Has anybody tried to entice you? I've gotten a few offers. I've actually gotten a few offers to go sell for people, but using my style. What does that mean? Explain that. So kind of like how I started our call off with the freestyle. That's how I try to do every single call, right? Including the, the camera effects, uh, and just leveraging a lot of this new technology, sending TikToks instead of just regular video outreach or you know, uh, having the skit format or like dancing to a song, have, having the text captions. Because I don't see a lot of people utilizing the full potential of like low-hanging fruit tech for their sales efforts right now. Yeah, I, I'm one of those people. Yes. Yeah. So we're, we're, a, per, we're, a, perfect, we're a perfect example of that. Yes. Right. Yeah. So he, he, you, what you're doing is standing out and doing something different and creative. But you're saying that can backfire sometimes. Sometimes it depends on who you're selling to. I think uh, so you show and, up. And, you show up that way, and you know, you're you're trying to talk to IBM. Maybe yeah, it's work it's so, a it's kind of a read so well. a, read the room situation. Like I've I've done a few shows for Google Teams uh, and. 
you know, coming in rapping. Some of the employees are like, okay, this is this is kind of cool. Half of them are international, didn't understand me, so they were confused. And then the HR lady who organized the thing, she was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, that being said, though, whoever hired you made the mistake, not you. Like, they brought you in. That's still my thing, yeah. And, and, and now here's the other thing that I would say in your support thing is you show up this way all the time. Right. It's very different right. if you show up this way all the time and it's natural to your point. If other people try to do what you do, but they don't do it all the time, then it, yeah. it doesn't look, it's not authentic. I guess that's it. You're coming in as your authentic self. Like we've had the same conversation with corporate bro. It's like if corporate bro doesn't go over well in your org, then it's not his fault. If Ding doesn't go over well in his, your org, it's not Ding's fault. It's the person who hired you. Yeah. And A, didn't think it through, or B, didn't sort of, you know, see if you were the right one. And maybe maybe there's a, there's a little bit of accountability where you kind of go in and say, you know, Dean, where you have to say, okay, is this really going to work for you? Like, yeah, I want to work with Google. I get it. But are they really? There's a little bit. There's a little bit of uh, you got to learn your ICP as well. Right. Yeah. And And. and it's, it's on them a little bit not to hire you and not know what they're getting, but it's also a little bit on you to be like, nah, I'm not going to play well in that arena necessarily, yeah. right? <clears throat> Sorting that stuff out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. How did you think about, uh, you don't have to go into the specifics if you, if you don't want to, but like, how does one begin the process of putting a price tag on their services and, and what they do were you just like throwing shit at the wall and seeing who will, will pay or is it very specific and strategic and like line itemed all out i'm super curious about about that it's been two models i think one and and also i have a bit of a unique offering where because it's so tied to marketing and sales that now i'm testing performance-based structures Early on for me, I took my ideal hourly rate and I worked backwards from it uh, and then forecasted, hey, here's how many projects I could reasonably estimate to do in a year. What's the average time? So, so I kind of manufactured a number at the start and then I try to try to go out and sell it. And very quickly, I realized that that's not the way it works uh, is just because one, I was not good at selling it. I wasn't good at articulating the value so for me to just come in with a price tag ask was not the most conducive for me. Uh, now, it might be different if someone is coming in, they have more experience or they're more credibility at the time, right? It might be a different conversation. Now, as I've continued selling and growing this, one bit of feedback that was really helpful was if most people are saying yes to your prices, you're probably not charging enough. Mm. Uh, so I, so I, I test all the time. Right. I, I, I have. And then how do you do the test, though? Is it just like, you know what, today I'm going to ask for 500 bucks more than normal? Well, it's it's hard, right, because you can't look at it like a strict scientific experiment because there's no control. Because there's different factors, depending on which prospect you, know, you give the pricing to, they have different conditions, they have different priorities and budgets. So that's it's tough to do it like that. I would. So I'd use kind of sample size to get over that hump. 
So let's say for like the, this batch of five, this batch of five, there's these common traits or companies in the same size, same funding round. Then I'll, I'll position pricing that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though, just up until recently, I haven't done a lot of outbound because when I first started, all I did was outbound and I didn't have any understanding of my product market fit. So I was outbounding into the ether. So it yeah. took some time for me to well, learn what I was actually selling before I could properly. Because you're different. I assume you're not running cadences and sequences of the norm. No. So in this is interesting because now it's something I sell. Uh, and, and you know he outbound. You know he outbounded us a, a year and a half ago. Yes. Do you remember that? I do. Yes. Do you remember that, Dan? I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I do. That's a, that's a whole that's a whole story. Yeah. 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 So. But uh, I mean, it's it's a lot of videos, right? I now I have an editing team, and it gets really, really fun. Right? Now we're throwing logos together, uh, subtitle text. So most people are seeing like a selfie on LinkedIn, and then I'm sending fully produced music videos. So that's yeah. that's kind of the first mover, the differentiator advantage. And then now we're doing that at scale for companies. So I don't even have to really do my own outreach anymore. And that's one of the beauties of my model is that because all of my creative is focused on another company, there's someone else out there with full skin in the game to make sure that it reaches as many eyeballs as possible. And from the ABM side of things, I even have companies that are identifying their top tier accounts for me. And then I'm making ABM creative content for them. Companies and my clients are getting a ton of value out of that. They're converting a lot of these into meetings, but at the same time, Triple your price right now, big. If, <laughs> if people are paying you to do their prospecting, like then no, no, no. Well, I'm well. It's like so on a account base level. Yeah. Here's my point. If they've got ten SDRs and they're paying you to create content that those ten SDRs can then use, they need to pay you the salary of five SDRs because you're doing you're making that kid's job a whole lot easier. You just found your your agent, Ding. Richard is yeah. <laughs> signing up to be your agent. He'll negotiate all future contracts for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because this is what the market dictates. And if they say, well, we can't afford that. So what are you talking about? You got like 15 SDRs over here. Who's at the bottom of the list? There's three of them. What are you paying them? So, so I, we got to start to move towards the end of the show a little bit. Oh I, I, I have a question. I have a question and it's, Let's say, Ding, somebody says, uh, you know, we've got a guest speaking slot at, you know, some big, huge conference and we want you to, to use it. What do you talk about? How do you, how do you package what you've done into a training, a motivational speech, a long story, 45 minute, hour long format? Like, what do you provide? To everybody how do you blow away the audience and you know package what you do i call it the abcs the account base marketing of modern b to b to b and what that looks like is it's a multi-department play where you're creating these prospecting or account-based materials that is fully creative but then what you're really doing is you're leveraging that as a thought leadership initiative and you're documenting the process all of these clips are then repurposed as content so now you have your content for the rest of the year you're getting public eyeballs uh, and public response and support 
pushing your top tier accounts in your direction, right? Imagine you post a video, hey, this is outreach. You know, we want to land this big client X. Uh, so, so now we tag them. It's on LinkedIn. Acme, this video is blowing up. Everyone's in the comments. Wow, this is so cool and different. Acme, you need outreach. Right. And then you're running that, you're doing that at scale that you're, le you're involving the frontline reps themselves. So incorporating them in the content as well. Now you're building a brand and, and getting internal engagement, excitement. Hey, this is different. We're selling differently. How do you like that's running the, that's the piece. Sorry, this is ahead. different. We're selling differently. Yeah. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah. How do you, how do you like running the org versus just being a sales guy? It's not complex enough to the point where I'm not, not a sales guy. I'm still a sales guy 90% of the time, you know, selling my own services. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of responsibility in the sense that it's not a necessarily always immediate payoff. I think typically as a IC in sales, we think, hey, what's my selling time or are these revenue generating activities? And then as an owner operator, it's, it's a little different. You're, you're thinking about the organization. Hey, how will this thing I'm working on impact the business three months from now, six months, two years? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I know we got to move to wrap. So we got to obviously uh, we'll let you ask your question. Um, quick shout out to our sponsors of Scratchpad, Sendoso, and Outreach, click.outreach.io forward slash surf, click.io outreach.io forward slash surf. Uh, Dean, what question you got for us? Absolutely. So I have two. One's quick. Scott, what prompted the facial hair removal? <laughs> so annoyed by this question. I, oh, love it. I just, every, uh, every six months or so, you know, got to take it down, let it kind of slowly grow back. Yeah. It's become quite the conversation piece. I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, I went out. I went out to the. I went to this dinner sponsored by Outreach last night in Austin, and and all everybody there was like, "Whoa, you look so different. What happened?" You know, it's like people forget that I exist without the beer. <laughs> I was I was gonna say it's an equal conversation piece with it or without it. All yeah, I can't win either way. It's right. either like, "Dang, that beard is huge," or "Dang, what happened to the beard?" I can't right. win. <laughs> cool and then my real question is and this is might be a bit selfish but i'm sure it will resonate with some of the audience as someone who's pivoting from someone who was in sales to starting a business uh like you know you gentlemen have what are the biggest i guess behavioral changes that one needs to make mindsets that needs to change biggest behavioral changes go ahead richard um, I think the biggest, the biggest one is managing your anxiety, right? When's the next deal going to close, particularly when you start, when's the next deal, where's the next deal, um, learning how to do that. Um, I think another one, and this just sort of falls into the way I do things, you know, making sure I don't overkill myself and burn myself out, right? It's exciting when you start and yes, it's valuable to, to, you know, go and, and, you know, if you have to work 10 or 12 hours, you can, I got, I got a wife and two kids. Like I can easily do this. Like it's still probably the biggest discussion in my family is you're working too much because I love it. But if you don't create those boundaries or habits, um, I think that's, that's a challenge. Right. And if, for those who are 
not in deep relationships with kids, you know, that means making sure you schedule time with your friends and making sure you schedule your workouts or whatever it is that can interrupt your day. So I think that's, that's one behavioral thing. The other thing I, and I do this is on my calendar every day from 12 to one is blocked off for lunch. And every Wednesday and Friday from two 30 to five is blocked off for golf. Now that doesn't mean I do those things every day. Most days, in fact, I don't, but it's there and I can control the calendar in such a way that if, you know, something comes up and I need to move, you know, I can do something during those golf times. So for me, the biggest behavioral thing is about protecting your, protecting your mental health by protecting your time, which I think a lot of people don't understand. And that doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to start my business and work four hours a day. No, that's not what's going to happen. So. <laughs> well, I might talk about the opposite side of that, which is, uh, you have to start learning how to become ruthlessly efficient with your time. Meaning if I got a block of time uninterrupted coming, I better get a lot of shit done in this one hour because I got a lot of moving pieces now. And especially like you, which is a little more like me where you got half dozen to a dozen different things going on all at once. They did different sales motions, different service motions, different creative motions. If I'm not careful, I could end up spending a bazillion hours on everything and overthinking things. And so a big behavioral change is I need to be ruthlessly efficient with my time and cut shit that doesn't serve me. When I have a block of time, B plus, A minus, good enough, go. You got to learn how not to be a perfectionist, in my opinion. Learn how not to be a perfectionist, uh, which allows you to be more productive, actually. There's always time to go back and tweak or edit something later on if you have to, or get feedback from somebody else that you, is a client of yours that's like, hey, this is really good, but could you do these couple things? Sure. Half the time you put something out you think is a B plus or an A minus, they're like, this is the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Thank you. And you're like, oh, okay. Just save myself yeah. some time right there. Um, and then uh, a behavioral change is just finding a way to compete every single day with yourself. And if you can, finding other people that you can have friendly competition with without the ego involved or negativity involved, right? So example, Richard might send me a text and say, you know, I just closed this huge fucking deal and I'm pacing to do this much this year. And my response is like, hell yeah, right? Like that's killer. And then I'm like, but I'm still beating you by a little bit, right? And, and like being able to do that with some people who are comfortable because one of the things that's tough is when you close deals, you got nobody to share it with. Yeah. There's no leaderboard. There's no reward or recognition. And yeah, I find competing against myself to be very boring, honestly. And, and so I like, like to have these friendly kind of competitions with folks. So that's a, that's a big behavioral change for somebody like me, at least. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, that's a true story about, I sent Scott a picture of my <laughs> revenue this year, not to, not to egg him on really to say, Holy shit, I'm, I'm at this level, which is something he's been coaching me to get to, right? Like Scott's also my, my guy sometimes. And, um, 
I knew he was going to use it as a fire under his ass, knowing that he's already ahead of me, but I know him. He's going to be like, all right, I got to buckle down. Yeah. Catching up a little bit. Right. Yeah. And not, and I don't take that as a negative. Shots fired. Shots fired. That's right. Exactly. Hey, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Ding. Bring us on out of here, man. Take it away. Let's do it. Uh, boom, boom, boom. He's trying to figure out what beat he's going to do. All right, so what I would like to see is if you could, gentlemen, could type some words in the chat so we could prove this is live and freestyled and improvised and not be indeed now. I could go like three miles plus five, that's eight mile. We on a Zoom chat, here's a great smile. Yeah, I got 40 words. Surf sales, dream on green, I'm with the Warriors. Yeah, and it was cool, I get ridiculed. Uh, get off my lawn, I'm not from Liverpool. That's kind of weird. Hey Scott, what happened to your beard? I haven't seen it in a year, it might have disappeared. You was lined up to a mirror, you was light with the razor blade. I was getting clear of this. I'm like, oh no. The flow bounce up and down like a yo-yo. We gon' film it on a camera GoPro. And I'ma send it directly like Sendoso. And that's that. It's a match. Gotta strike it up. That's that. With the hazmat suit. I don't backtrack. Truth. I'm a scratch pad. You can use that to import notes really quickly with it. How I spit all these quotes. Yeah. And how's he get to Canada with the Mounties? And I was building all my cadences up in outreach. And yeah, they was like Eminem. You couldn't do it without me. Sales engagement wasn't so basic. And I'ma make it because I was reckless. Pull up in the Lexus, California, Texas. With the toast, hey, I just finesse with South by Southwest, it's the weekend I'm off the deep end, and maybe the reason is kind of funny, I'ma see ya Yeah, we doing surfing sales up in Costa Rica Yeah, and scratch pad outreach Yeah, I'm not wrong Please log on to surfingsales.com Yeah, and this is the right truth They're like, tell everybody how and where to find you Okay, so I'ma give you a nice quote you should log on to salesrap.io And that name kinda sounds like a company That was in SAS, but yo, that's the funny beat Yeah, it should be on Tech Crunch for me Uh, we out here rapping I was just wrapping it up Like that was enough, yeah I think we was having some fun surfing sales Well done, that's fantastic Good job, Ding and in case you didn't, uh, in case you're just listening and not watching, Richard and I were all over the chat, just dropping words in there and yes. Ding uh, brought it to life. So well done, man. We appreciate you. It's a lot of fun. I respect the hustle and love what you're doing. And uh, hopefully we can hang out again soon. Yeah, welcome to Austin. And welcome Absolutely. to Austin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a ring when I'm, uh, when I'm out there. Yeah. By, and by all means, you know, we still got a spot or two left for May surfing sales and uh, some in November. Why, you know, when's Ding coming? We need, you know, you, you should run your own spiff and reward yourself and come to serve. <laughs> we, we should, uh, we should get a company, a sponsor, like, Hey, I'll evangelize for you at surf and sales. There you go. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's, 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 the move. that's a doable thing. That's a doable thing. You heard it. Hey Ding. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. Much love to you. So good to hang out with you. Thanks Richard. Thanks Scott. Cheers.